Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday evening, and let me see if I can do the Haftorah now. Uh, and trying to keep up so that I'll be able to finish it, the whole thing by tomorrow for the week. One second. I want to thank... Today, uh, this podcast is being sponsor, sponsored excuse me, by Elio Raful. Very generously. Turns out he's an anical. In some way of uh, Rabbi Menachem Kashua mentioned uh, yesterday, two days ago, whenever it was. And he wrote me some interesting information, which I didn't know. But how would I? I'm not a member of the family. Um, and also that he's a follower of the podcast. And therefore, I do thank him for the sponsorship. And now let's take a look at this Haftorah, which I believe is all about the very first chapter of the Book of Kings, right? The intrigue and the plot around the dying King David. Everybody knows the story. I'm pretty sure you know the story. The king is old, he's sick. Wasn't that old, but health-wise, you see, you, you can this happens sometimes. A guy is good and strong, because David was fighting in battle not that long before, but then his health broke down. It can happen. It can happen. And uh, especially if you go with a firm interpretation, so it's a punishment. So, you know, where you say he got 70 years of moderation. Point of the matter is, health broke down, and therefore he was cold. And Avishag and the whole nine yards. Now, um, then the main part, of course, is the plot of Adoniyahu. That's the interesting part. Adoniyahu wants to be king. He gathers together an interesting group of followers, including Yoav and Avyasar. Joab is the hero, one would think, of the reign of King David. You couldn't fight without him. And there were many tight pinches where the Jewish people up the creek and the skill and heroism of Yoav saved the day. You can look at it in Divrayamim in a small base. You know, I think many people are familiar with that. And if you know how to read closely, and I've done this before, so I don't want to hazard it over, if you coordinate what you find in Divrayamim and the Shmuel together with Tehillim, especially Psalm number 60 and plus 79, and maybe one or two others, you really see who Yoav was. Nevertheless, he backs the losing team, and the whole thing falls apart. <laughs> now, and Shlomo triumphs. Although, in our Haftorah, as is often the case, it doesn't actually say the part where, you know, uh, Shlomo triumphs. It just says that the king tells Bathsheba, I'm going to make sure this is right. You know, I'm going to make sure that this is right. And subsequently, if you keep reading the Book of Malachim, he does. He does dramatic... Uh, effort to enthrone Shlomo, who he wants to be king, even though he's only 12 years old, he, uh, he, he, he puts him on the throne while he's still alive. Notice the father puts the son on the throne while the father is still alive to demonstrate to everybody this is the next guy. Right? So, and in front of everybody. So if you do it in front of everybody, it's before SEO, then you see who the father, who, who it is the father wanted. And the other team can't say when the king dies, really he wanted us. The other team is lying. Really, one of us. No, no, no. While David was still alive, he, you know, put Shlomo on the throne. That's how the story unfolds. Now, here's the thing. So, the interest, the, the, the one of the main characters, although we know very little about him, is Adoniyahu. 
for season one, the least attempt, which fails. Uh, goes to show you, by the way, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, as they say. David is a tzaddik. If you go by the different chazals, Yehovah was a righteous man. The great Tamini Chachamim, Adoni Yofar Alayno was righteous. Achitofel was righteous. Abbas comes to Gelzandravel, you know, when it came to the throne, everybody's intriguing against everybody else. And Basheva says to the king, or she says to Nathan, in the words to the following effect, if Adonio wins, we're toast, which is true, because this is the Middle East, and the only way to make sure that you're not a threat to me is to kill you. Then once you're gone, you know, you're gone. So you might be my closest sibling, Adrava. That might goofa be the reason I got to bump you off. In the Turkish Empire, they institutionalized it. Somebody came assault and they killed all the others. That was the halacha. I'm serious. I'm not saying it to be witty. That was the law for many centuries. In the Ottoman Empire, whoever rises to the top becomes sultan, kills all the siblings and the wives and all the stuff. That way there can't be any civil wars, can't be any other contenders. So learning is one thing, Gemara is one thing, politics is something else. That's what, you can't deny it, that's what you see. Okay? Now, the Chazal make a big point of saying that Adonio was like another Absalom. Told and handsome. He ended up getting 50 outriders the way Absalom had done. Uh, Tov Rowi, I think he says. He was good looking. And so forth. And the Emlo. Let me, let me pull out the book. Uh, it says that Adonio. He got himself, like we say today, a Cadillac and a Rolls Royce with 50 outliers. Um, just like Avshalom, the father, David, had uh, spoiled him, never criticized him. He never caused him any grief. Right? Rashi says, Never got him angry. No, never cussed him out. As is the stern and not fun duty of a good parent. Sometimes you gotta get angry at the kid. I'll give you an example. He runs across the street in a green light. You understand? You, you gotta do that. Uh, it was good looking. That's the point I want to say. And Rashi, I'm looking at Rashi, right? He garmalo lahemshin is gold. Their good looks took him down. That's very interesting. <laughs> Most of us have nothing to worry about, so don't worry. <laughs> you don't have to be scared. But but Absalom and what he called and uh Adonio, you know, look good. And it let he should garmalos in this go. It caused him to have gaiva. And is that to be understood um in a Musr sense? Oh he's a terrible Avir to have Gaiva. You read a chapter from you know, or something like oh yeah, yeah, Gaiva. Hashem says I can't stand by Gaiva. That's one shot. But I think more better. The guy who took him down in politics, especially if you play the cutthroat politics of palace intrigue, listen closely. There is no room for Gaiva. You have to think with a clear head. You understand? You cannot allow yourself to be led aside, astray by flatterers or others, because you make poor judgments. And when you're in a doggy dog world, the jungle world of the royal palace intrigue, you gotta make cool, calm, collected decisions that are totally rational and are not emotional at all. You get the emotions in the way, you make mistakes, and the other side will win. You understand what I'm saying? It's a dangerous game, politics. The stakes are high. 
And there is a winner, but there are losers. And the Middle East, as we know, happened to Adonio and the others eventually. They all got killed. So it's a bummer. So if they had Gaiva, that's what brought them down. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, we have a parallel story somewhat to the Avshalom story. Not exactly. Somewhat. Um, what hap- What's the story with Avshalom? He wanted to knock out the father. Why? Let's say he had his reasons. You know, there's a whole story behind it. Tamar and everything. He had his reasons. But why would the Jewish people back him? That makes no sense. Whenever I teach this, if I have another secret podcast on Nanach, why would people... That's a weird story. You could tell me that the son tried to knock out the father. I can hear such things, you know. Like I said before, your ambition gets the better of you. You get really angry at your father. I could hear it. But I wouldn't expect that Seaborg do so. As far as we know... The Gedon, everybody was backing Avshalom, or a lot of people. Why would someone back a parasite? Whoever supports the son who's out to kill the father, that's weird. Um, unless he was able to convince people that Dovin Melch was Chaim Misa. Um, if you read the story very closely, it's not so easy, you'll see that Enchanami, he was able to persuade the people that Dovin was a big sinner and deserved to be killed. As David complains about in the third psalm, when he says, Rabim Omrin Lo, Ain Lo Yeshua himself. Let the Rabim, the public, is saying, I have no salvation from the Lord this time, because I'm a sinner with Basheva, I'm a sinner with other things. You know, uh, and I know you can get around it, but I'm telling you the way people saw it. And uh, this was not the idea of Avshalom. And we'll see, maybe it's not the idea of Adonai either, because there were two dumbbells. They were tall, dark, and good-looking, and vain. They were this glad, and that's all they were, empty suit. This allowed them to become the pawns of the chess masters. In the case of Avshalom, they say, it was Achitofel, who had his own reasons. Achitofel wanted to knock out David. He was smart enough to know he was not so push it. Therefore, he used... Avshalom, as a cat's paws, as, as a pawn, to get popular sympathy, to knock out David. David is hard to knock out. Once you do that, and you put Avshalom on the throne, get Sechanetza, he won't be hard to knock out. And then I, Achitovo, will become king. At least that's how Chazal say the story. Now, Achitovo's idea behind the rebellion was that in the long run, Achitovo, not Avshalom, should be king. What about Avshalom? We'll use him to bump off David, and then we'll bump off Avshalom. And you can tell by the story where it says, that when Avshalom wins a certain, at a certain point, he says, what do we do next? He goes, go sleep with your father's wife, Bifarhezio, to show that you're never going to um, pass up relations with him. And he does do it. What an idiot. You do like that beer with your stepmothers, whatever, your father's concubines, in public? Don't you understand that if it would have succeeded and they would have killed David, then Avshalom would have said, I'm sorry, Achitov would have said, you want to back a guy who's Mizana in public? You get it? He wasn't smart enough to see that far. And it says the Atzas Achitov was considered genius. It was never wrong. It wasn't wrong for Achitov. <laughs> for the guy, you know, for the one giving the advice. question is, who was the beneficiary? But Avshalom couldn't see that because Mitoch, what does Rashi say? Um, he garmalim shin is gold. 
they're good looks, and they're, you know, general accoutrement, and he had a beautiful wife, it says, and so forth, went to their head, and he didn't So when they said, you know, you should really knock out Dovidi, come to king, why didn't he say like this? Me? My father has fought a hundred battles. I haven't fought any. Why would I take on something that I don't have much of a chance of winning? And why is Achitobo pushing me to do it? I'm sure he said he's doing it L'Shem Shemayim, but it's weird. But he didn't ask that question, and therefore he was a pawn of Achitobo. And as we know, by the time the story's over, both of them are dead. Achitobo, because Avshan was a dummy, a dumbbell, and you can see that because if every time he followed the advice of Achitobo, it worked, and that's what it says, Achitobo was like a perfect stockbroker. Never got it wrong. So then how come, when he says, what do I do now that I captured Jerusalem? What, what about my father who's running away? Achitobo says, give me some men, I'll take him and knock him out right now. While he's down and out. And Chushayarki said, oh, that's a bad plan, take your time and raise a big army. Why didn't, and, and, and Avshan listened to Chushayarki, who was really on the payroll of David. Why, I'm assuming you know what I'm talking about. Why didn't Achitobo say like this? Every time I go, why didn't, I'm showing my beg your pardon, say like this, every time I follow the advice of Achitobo, it has always succeeded. Why is somebody going to be so stupid to break a winning streak? You know what I'm saying? I bet on you, every time you tell me to buy a stock or this, that, the other, and it always works, it always doubles. And then one time I said, I'm not going to listen to you, I'm going to listen to somebody else. Why do you do that? You know what I'm saying? See, he wasn't too smart. It was not too smart. And let me tell you something. It said, David prayed, Hofer at Sasachatovo. In other words, I'm asking God for divine intervention to make Avshalom uh, turn down the advice of Achitovo, which means that Achitovo's advice was good. And if he would have chased after David at that point, when he was down and out, he would have finished him off and killed, and the rebellion would have succeeded. Now, let's switch over to our Haftar. It says, and I think the Pasuk says even, that he was born after, uh, 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 um, after Avshalom. Uh... Where is it? The Adonia was good looking. It was born after Avshalom. Okay? Which means, why did David the Chazal, I think it's the first Madrash, if I remember correctly, in Bamidbar, I think it's the first Madrash, which talks about those of the others who were successful parents and those of the others who were unsuccessful parents. Avos and other great heroes in, in the Tanakh. And David should have learned from the fact he spoiled uh, Avshalom Rotten, look what happened. But he did the same thing with that Donio. That's the point. So it's like David's fault. But here's the thing. If you look, it's very interesting. If you look at the Chidov, the Chomasanoch, the, the way he analyzed it, and I don't think he's coming from my angle, but he reaches the same conclusion. He says, Adoni also was not such a smart guy. As you see later on in his conduct, when he asked to marry Abishag, after the brother told him, stay out of politics or else. So what's the shot? He was put up as a front man by Yoav and Eviasar. Yoav was no dummy. Yoav knows that David hates him. Why David Hayes, I did that last year or whatever. That's a long, complicated story. 
David had reasons. He didn't have reasons. And Yov is afraid that when the next king comes along, they'll kill him. That's what David will leave him in his instructions, which you and I know he did to Shlomo. He told Shlomo on his deathbed. The last words, the last words of David are kill Yov and kill Shimi. That's the last words. So, um, which is strange, by the way. He didn't say, oh, chazak v'amatz. You know, the last words, not Shema Yisrael, but kill Yov and kill Shimi. Um, so, Yov was no dummy. And Yov realized this. And Yov said, I gotta act fast. And so he, end of Yasser, apparently, the Mepharshim make the following argument, that if Yasser this is based on the Gemara, I don't know. Uh, during the during the rebellion of Absalom, Abiyasar, who was a high priest, had tried to use the Rambam and hadn't worked, and so David like fired him or something like that, because obviously God's not responding to you, and he put in somebody else. And Abiyasar was angry, and he wanted to hold on to his position. Therefore, he bet on the horse of Adonio. So, in other words, let's put it this way: the real plot. Is off the off the stage. The real plot is behind the lines that you read, just like is the case with Avshalom. Okay? The real plot is Yov and Avyasar get together, and maybe a couple others possibly. Then they say, Rabbi say, let's think of the future. Uh, in America, it's every four years, January twentieth. You know, uh, Pache Donald Trump. Uh, but uh, in the Middle East, it's not like that. Comes a new king, might be a new team. New team might, might, might want to get rid of the old team. I mean that literally. And therefore, on both sides, we better prepare for a big case scenario. And the way to do that is to back somebody other than Shlomo. Because then, the son, Adonio, will know he wasn't picked by the father, but he was more or less picked by us. And he'll keep us in power. And so he went to Adonio and said, look here, you're tar, you're tar, you are tall, dark, handsome, and very smart. <laughs> They played on his vanity, and he fell for it. And um, Yoav is the guy, according to this scenario, who gets the real support. Yoav obviously had a large body of friends and followers. If I were alive at that time, also I would also be a friend of Yoav. He's a great general, won many victories, saved Kalisrael numerous times, crushed the enemies of the Jews in Middle Eastern fashion, and. In general, was a nice guy. Plus, if you go to Gemara, Yov, it says, was buried in the Midbar. His house, his mansion was called the Midbar. Why was this mansion called the Midbar? For a good reason, not for a bad reason. Why was it called Midbar? It was open Hefkeris every day at a totally free brunch, um, you know, for the public. So there were no hungry people, because anybody who wanted to could go to Yov's palace, to the dining room, to the ball, and there was a huge smorgasbord. You can do all you want. And that's the type of guy he all was. He won a lot of money in his wars and victories. But he wasn't the type of guy to squirrel it all away and hoard it all away. He said, let me let me spend it on, uh, as we would say today, chesed purposes, tzedakah purposes. Therefore, he must have been very popular. If I was a poor person, let me put it this way. Do you go and, and I, I'm, I don't know where you live. I live in Baltimore. We still have the giveaways. <laughs> you know, they still give me out the food several times a week. If they give me that food, are you going to get it? The answer is you're going to get it. Right? And those families are really poor. It's unbelievable. It's not only Jews, by the way. Guy also, I had a maiden a year ago, not anymore, 
and she went in in her Spanish thing to go there the giveaways. So I brought food. So family that's hungry has nothing to be hungry for. It's a great Um If you if if I were poor or indigent or financially challenged or something like that, consider well. Every day I'll go to Yo's house. He didn't mind. And it's not like you had to eat it over there. He wasn't chintzy, you know. We got the inside, can't take nothing with you. It's not like Stalin. If you want, you can make a goodie bag. This is what, it's not me talking, this is what the Gemara says. That he opened his house like a midbird, told the port. You could walk in like you would walk in a midbird, not feel like you're trespassing over here. He was quite a guy. Quite a guy. Imagine uh, a family at that time had to make a wedding of our mitzvah. The bris, the shabrachas. It's going to sound funny. We could always go to Yo's house and just put in some whole bunch of, uh, you know, duffel bags or whatever. Knapsacks full of full of food. And there's your uh, there's your bar mitzvah. There's your wedding. Didn't cost you any money. And Yo didn't mind. You notice that's why I call a midbar. I'm happy to help anybody that needs it. So you don't think Yo had a big fan club? I do. I do. I know that there were people foreign against David because he's always complaining about this in the Tehillim. And that's part of the fundamental nature of the story. I'm not aware that it was an anti Yoav team. As far as I know, Yoav was a very popular figure. Right? Especially when you throw in everything I just said. Very popular figure. You know, I was in Muncie last weekend. They showed me, I forget whose house. Some guy with a mega mansion. And next to him, he's got this tent. And then you can go down there, maybe his breast or something like that. They have food there and so forth. And yo, it was like 10 times that. And every day. So it's a, f- a permanent kiddish every day. So if yo figured, I'll cash in on my popularity to save my life. And he backed that down to yo, of course it fizzled. Didn't work. When it didn't work, they were all in the octet sorrows. This is what the Chomasana. Uh, you just get to. It's in the Mikras Gedolus now, the article had with the Nikudas. I believe the Chomus Anach should be the uh, the Chidot, right? Who is, you know, has always has original insights, especially when he's not into the Kabbalah stuff. So he says like this Ahiu Dvorovim Yo Ben Tsruya, Bimeviyos Arkoin, Vayazurachoya Dunio. I'll read it again. Vayu Dvorov. His words were, meaning Achito, Adunio. Had words conversations. And they, and they helped Adonio. So the plain way of reading that is that Adonio went politicking, lobbying, and he went to Yom and he went to Yosser. And he probably said in classic fashion, whatever my father's paying you, I'll pay you double. That's all. You know, by the opposition. But that's not the way the Chidor reads it. He says like this. When it says he had words with Yo Ben it means Yo Ben was the Iker, and Adonio was the Tuffle. Yo Ben was the main character, and Adonio was just a, a, a marionette. I think that's very interesting. It makes 100% sense. The main plotters. Just like it's been the case with Achitofel and, and, and Avshalom, 
and lame platters now, or Yovan of Yasser. Raksha also, I'm soft, but they came up with the idea, Shadonio, They said to Adonio, don't tell anybody it's our idea. Make it your idea. That'll really win you a lot of votes. Let's just say we're members of your team. But really, they were the ringmaster, they were calling the shots. Alafio Emis, Hemoyo Iker. Right? It's a very interesting interpretation. Usually, the Hidah does that just to be pilpalistic. But here, I think he hit, in my opinion, like a certain bullseye, because it's very misstabber. And you see, as I said before, when they find out that David, next chapter, you know, put Shlomo on the throne, they folded. They all got scared. And Adonio runs to the sanctuary. And he sort of comes groveling and begging to Shlomo. So he doesn't come across very heroic. And um, he makes terrible miscalculation because, as I think many who, are, if you're familiar with Dwokum Lachan, know the story that he fell in love with Abishab, which was a bad choice to fall in love with, the, the king's um, nurse, or whatever she was. And that has political ramifications. There are a million girls, I'm sure Adonia was married. There are a million girls who would marry a prince of the royal family. He has to pick the one with political implications. And Shlomo sees the opportunity, I don't blame him, to say, oh, you're being political, I'm going to kill you. Basically, when Shlomo became the king, Adonio went to the throne and he said, I'm sorry, you know, I'll be under you. And Shlomo, if you look up the puzzle, he says words to the following effect. You know, you stay out of politics. Like we say today, move to BMG, move to Yeshiva Lane, move to Panavish Yeshiva, and sit and learn. <laughs> right? Come be Mechadish, whatever Chadush you want, and stay out of politics. I want to hear about you. If you do that sincerely, you live. He was a prince. He had money. He could have lived a nice time. Like I said today, he could have had a nice uh, condo or whatever in uh, in Baltimore, Yeshiva Lane. Or whatever is a good neighborhood in Panavish, or Yushalayim. He would be a royal prince, because they didn't learn, or something like that. It's not a bad life. <laughs> you know what I mean? It ain't a bad life. And if he had done that route, who knows where I would have turned out with Shlomo. I don't know, you could write a, an, you know, one of those what-if books. That's not what happened. He was stupid enough to ask the mother, Bathsheba, to intervene his behavior. Shlomo killed him. So you see, Adonia wasn't that smart. On the other hand, Yoav and Yosef were that smart because they were spot on. They said, we better back somebody else or David's successor will kill them. That is what happened. In other words, David does not say, listen closely, with this I'll conclude because I don't want to go too long. David does not say in his deathbed, hey Shlomo, kill, Adon- uh, kill Yoav because he backed Adonia. Therefore, it will be a permanent threat to you. You can't allow the survival of somebody go back to a different contender for the throne. Because sooner or later, you'll never know, every time you go to sleep, maybe I was going to start up with another contender. That would have been, you know, practical politics. It's brutal, it's raw, but that's the Middle East. But W says, no, I've been planning to kill him for years, ever since he killed Amasa, ever since he killed Abner. So it's old grudge. So Yob was quite right. 
he was going to get killed no matter what he did with Adonio. Let's say he never backed Adonio at all. Right? Let's say Yov stayed totally apolitical and placed himself 100% on the side of Shlomo or whoever the king killed. Whoever the king appointed. Whoever David appointed. He still would have been killed because he killed uh, Avner and the other guy in Amoso. You see? See, Yov was smart. Adonio was not smart. So here we see when you read these stories, especially in the Tanakh, especially in Shemul Lachem, they're very intricate. They're very brilliant. You can see them from many different angles, as the Chidah does over here. And a lot of times, you, the reader, if you're not in it, and you don't go after what they call Omek HaPshat, but said just look for a Vard or two, you miss, I think, the real story. I've seen it many times, especially in Shemul and Malachim, and this is one of them. Uh, the reason it's after is simply because, you know, Avram is concerned about who will be his successor and, and Yitzhak should get married. And David is concerned about, and Bathsheba is concerned with his successor. But it's a completely different context. Avram is not involved in intrigue. The story of Avram is the absence of intrigue. Elio, I'm sorry, Eliezer, had he wanted to, could have screwed up that shit a hundred ways. You know how it is. Anybody who's had the slightest connection with the Shachem business knows it's very easy to screw up a share if you want to. And he had reasons to. Uli, Eli, he had a daughter, but he didn't do it. So in the story of Abram, everybody acts 100% the Shema and above board. In the story of David, Adonio, Yov, and the others, it's the opposite. So it's fascinating to compare and contrast the two stories thoughtfully. The one you have in the Chomish and the one you have in the Haftar this week. And it's early enough in the week that you can give some thought to it. And with that, once again, I thank Elio, and I uh, hope we'll get one. Um, I have two lined up for next week. I hope we'll get a third sponsor. And um, uh, with that, I wish everybody a good job. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidovidkatz.com.